Chapter Ten of A Coin of Edward the Seventh. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Coin of Edward the Seventh by Fergus Hume. Chapter Ten, on a fresh trail. If Giles Ware had not been desperately in love and desperately anxious to find Anne Denham, he would scarcely have gone to Paris on such a wild goose chase the postmark on the letter showed that she was or she had been in the french capital but to find her in that immense city was like looking for a haystack in a league-long desert however ware had an idea foolish enough that some instinct would guide him to her side and therefore as soon as he recovered sufficiently to travel he crossed the channel with trim he left rickwell about three weeks after his interview with morley time enough as he well knew for anne to change her place of residence but he trusted to luck for quite a fortnight he explored the city accompanied by the faithful old servant trim had sharp eyes and would be certain to recognize anne if she came within eyesight but in spite of their vigilance and observation the two saw no one even distantly resembling anne certainly if giles had gone to the authorities who take note of all who come and go he might have been more successful but knowing that anne was wanted by the english police he did not dare to adopt this method he was forced to rely entirely on himself and his search resulted in nothing it ain't no good master giles said trim for at least the tenth time we've lost the scent somehow better go back to london i don't want you to be ill over here sir with nothing but foreign doctors to look after you i shan't leave paris until i am certain that she is not in the place declared ware resolutely well sir i don't know how much more certain you wants to be we've tramped them boulevards and chamois elizas till our feet are near dropping off you're looking a shadow master giles if you'll excuse an old man as nursed you when you were a baby she ain't here now i shouldn't be surprised if she were in london said trim wisely what in the very jaws of the lion nonsense oh but is it sir i always heard it said by them as knows that the jaws of the lion is the very last place any one expects to find them trim did not state what them he meant if she went back to rickwell she would be safe especially if she laid up in some cottage and called herself a widder trim you've been reading detective novels not me sir i ain't got no time but about this going back we'll go back to-morrow trim said ware with sudden resolution and trim joyfully departed to pack it just struck giles that after all trim might be right and that having thrown the police off the scent by going abroad in the yacht anne might return to london she might be there now living in some quiet suburb while the police were wasting their time corresponding with the french authorities moreover ware thought it would be just as well to learn what steele was doing he had charge of the case and might have struck the trail in that case giles wanted to know for he could then avert any possible danger from anne and finally he reflected that he might learn something about anne's friends from the people at the governess's institute where mrs morley had engaged her if she returned to london it was not impossible that she might have gone to hide in the house of some friend 
anyone who knew anne could be certain that she was not guilty of the crime she was accused of and would assuredly aid her to escape the unjust law so thought giles in his ardour but he quite forgot that every one was not in love with anne and would scarcely help her unless they were fully convinced of her innocence and perhaps not even then most people have a holy horror of the law and are not anxious to help those in danger of the long arm of justice however giles reasoned as above and forthwith left paris for london he took up his quarters in the guelph hotel opposite the park and began his search for anne again luckily he had obtained from mrs morley the number of the institute which was in south kensington and the day after his arrival walked there to make inquiries it was a very forlorn hope but ware saw no other chance of achieving his desire the institute was a tall red brick house with green blinds and a prim tidy look he was shown into a prim parlour and interviewed by a prim old lady who wore spectacles and had a pencil stuffed in the bosom of her black gown however she was less prim than she looked and had a cheerful old ruddy face with a twinkling pair of kindly eyes in her heart mrs cairns admired this handsome young man who spoke so politely and was more willing to afford him the desired information than if he had been elderly and ugly old as she was the good lady was a true daughter of eve and her natural liking for the opposite sex had not been crushed out of her by years of education nevertheless when she heard the name of anne she threw up her hands in dismay why do you come here to ask about that unfortunate girl she demanded and looked severely at giles before he could reply she glanced again at his card which she held in her fingers and started giles where she read drawing a quick breath are you i was engaged to the young lady who was killed said ware surprised mrs cairns rosy face became a deep red and you doubtless wish to avenge her death by finding miss denham on the contrary i wish to save miss denham what do you not believe her guilty no mrs cairns i do not every one says she killed the girl but i am certain that she is an innocent woman i come to ask you if you can tell me where she is why do you come to me mrs cairns went to see that the door was closed before she asked this question i thought you might know of her whereabouts why should i well i admit that there is no reason why you should at least i thought so before i came here and now she bent forward eagerly now i think that if she had come to you for refuge she would get help from you i can see that you also believe her guiltless i do said mrs cairns in a low voice i have known anne for years and i am certain that she is not the woman to do a thing like this she would not harm a fly then you can help me you know where she is mrs cairns looked at his flushed face at the light in his eyes in her shrewd way she guessed the secret of this eagerness then you love her she said under her breath you love anne why do you say that asked giles taken aback he was not prepared to find that she could read him so easily i remember said mrs cairns to herself but loud enough for him to hear there was a society paper said something about jealousy being the motive of the crime and do you mean to say that such a statement was in the papers asked ware angrily 
and with a flash of his blue eyes it was in none of the big daily papers mr ware they offered no explanation but some society reporter went down to rickwell to gather scandal from the servants i suppose off from mrs barry muttered giles then aloud yes well this man or woman most probably it was a woman made up a very pretty tale which was printed in the firefly a scandalous paper said ware annoyed what did it say that you were in love with anne that you were engaged to miss kent and that to gain you as her husband anne killed the girl it's a foul lie i'll horsewhip the editor and make him put in an apology i shouldn't do that if i were you mr ware said the old lady dryly better let sleeping dogs lie i don't believe the whole story myself only part of it what part mrs cairns that part which says you love anne i can see it in your face if i can trust you certainly you can anne is like my own child i believe her guiltless of this terrible crime and i would do anything to see her righted she did not kill the girl no i believe the girl was killed by a nameless man who came to rickwell from some firm of solicitors i don't know why he murdered the poor child no more than i can understand why anne should have helped him to escape you call her anne said mrs cairns softly giles flushed through the tan of his strong face i have no right to do so he said she never gave me permission mrs cairns i assure you that there was no understanding between miss denham and myself i was engaged by my father to miss kent and we were to be married i fell in love with miss denham and i have reason to believe that she returned my love she told you so no no she and i never said words like that to one another we were friends nothing more miss kent chose to be jealous of a trifling gift i gave miss denham at christmas and there was trouble then came an anonymous letter saying that anne wished to kill daisy a letter and said that exclaimed mrs cairns in surprise but i can't understand it at all anne had no enemies so far as i know no one could hate so sweet a girl her father did you know her father asked ware quickly no but she often spoke of him she was fond of her father although he seems to have been a wandering bohemian he died at florence i wonder if he really did die of course he but it's a long story mr ware and i have not the time to tell it to you besides there is one who can tell you all about anne and her father much better than i can the princess caraxay do you know her i have seen the name somewhere probably on a programme said mrs cairns composedly oh don't look so astonished the princess is really a hungarian aristocrat she quarrelled with her people and came to england with very little money to keep herself alive she tried to become a governess afterwards having a beautiful voice she became a concert singer i hear she is very popular how should she know about anne i mean miss denham because if there is any woman to whom anne would go in her distress it would be the princess 
she met anne here while she was a governess and the two became great friends they were always together i do not know where anne is mr ware she did not come to me nor has she written but if she is in england the princess will know do you think she would tell me asked giles eagerly i really don't know she is romantic and if she learned that you loved anne she might be inclined to help you but that would depend upon anne herself how is she disposed towards you for answer giles related the episode of the foreign letter with the drawing of the coin and the one word innocent mrs cairns listened quietly and nodded evidently anne values your good opinion i think you had better tell all this to the princess she hastily wrote a few lines this is her address oh thank you thank you and mr ware added the old lady laying a kind hand on his arm if you hear about anne come and tell me i hope with all my soul that you will be able to save the poor child if human aid can prove her innocence you can depend upon me was ware's reply and taking leave of mrs cairns he left the institute with his heart beating and his head in the air giles was glad that his good fortune had led him to meet this true friend of the woman he loved he was also glad that he had been so open with her about his passion else she might not have sent him to the princess caraxay as the name came into his mind he glanced down at the paper which he still held the address of anne's friend was forty two gilbert mansions westminster giles resolved to lose no time in looking her up she would be able to tell him where anne was and also might be able to explain the mystery of anne's life in general and her conduct at rickwell in particular for there was some mystery about miss denham ware was quite certain on that point she had said that her father was dead and circumstances pointed to the fact that her father was alive and was the nameless man who had appeared and disappeared so suddenly then there was the strange episode of the anonymous letter and the queer reference therein to the scarlet cross also the fact that the yacht in which anne had fled was called the red cross all these things hinted at a mystery and such might in some indirect way be connected with the death of daisy kent anne had not killed her but since she had aided the murderer to escape she must have condoned the crime in some way ware shuddered as he looked at the matter in this light what if anne knew something about the matter after all the next moment he put the thought from him with anger anne was good and pure and her hands were clean from the stain of blood such a woman would not could not commit a crime either directly or indirectly when he saw her he would ask for an explanation and once she opened her mouth all would be made plain arguing thus with himself giles wrote a letter to the princess caraxay and asked for an interview he mentioned that he had seen mrs cairns and that the old lady had furnished him with the address also he said that his wish in seeing the princess was to ask for the whereabouts of miss denham having dispatched this note giles felt that he could do no more until he received a reply but he was too restless to remain quiet it occurred to him that he might look up Steele and learn what fresh discoveries had been made in connection with the rickwell crime he went to new scotland yard and asked for the detective but learned to his surprise and vexation that the man was out of town and was not expected back for a week 
no one could say where he had gone so giles had to satisfy himself with leaving a card and promising to call again the next day he received a note from the princess caraxay asking him to come the next evening at nine o'clock she said nothing about anne nor did she volunteer any information she simply appointed an hour and a place for the interview and signed herself olga caraxay giles felt that she had been intentionally curt and wondered if she intended to give him a civil reception after some thought he decided that she meant to be kind although the note read so coldly he would go and perhaps during the interview she might be persuaded to help him after all she must know that he had been engaged to marry the dead girl and fancied as mrs cairns had done that he wished to have anne arrested the following evening he arrayed himself with particular care and drove in a hansom to westminster the cab stopped before a great pile of brick buildings near the abbey and when giles had dismissed it he entered a large and well-lighted hall with a tessellated pavement here a porter volunteered on ascertaining his business to conduct him to the door of the princess caraxay's flat which was on the first floor giles was admitted by a neat maid-servant who showed him into a picturesque drawing-room a tall woman in evening dress was standing beside the window in the twilight giles thought her figure was familiar and recognized the turn of her head he uttered a cry anne he said stretching his arms anne my dearest End of chapter 10 Read by Céline Major